briefly. I want to do a brief introduction into the teaching series in the month of August. Having been blessed during this period of prayer and fasting, those of you that are missing prayer and fasting, they are not here, but I'm talking to them in the spirit. It is well with you. You know, church is a very serious thing. I hope you are aware of that. Why is it a very serious thing? Among, why is it, among many reasons why church is a very serious thing is because it influences your life. See, church is like, <laughs> what will I liken it to now? The church you attend will determine so much about you, both about your life on earth and about your eternity. Some people have jobs that they've been working or they've been going to for the past 10 years. They go to those jobs Monday to Friday, every day for 10 years. And they don't feel bad. They just say, as long as they have been promoted and the pay is increasing. <laughs> so don't be tired. If you have to come to church every day, it's not, it's not an issue. The Bible says they met daily. <laughs> That's what the Bible says, daily. Haven't you come to church on Sunday, you were so blessed, and on Monday you made a challenge that made you depressed. It looked as if you did not receive anything on Sunday. Hasn't happened before. You were so blessed on Sunday. And by the end of the drama on Monday, you start asking yourself, <laughs> what is happening? According to Bible standard, it's supposed to be every day. But well, we live in a very different time. Hallelujah. So when we come for prayer and fasting, amongst the many things we come to do, it's not just to come and just pray and bombard God with our needs. We come to enjoy God. Are you with me? Church, we came to enjoy God. If you're not enjoying God now, you will die forever, no? Ah, so much to teach. I've rearranged this, the teachings for this year. I'm tired. Anyhow, just, let's just be going. Because there's so much. I will say, okay, we'll teach this one. When I say, ah, can we teach you and forget this one? No, 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 no. I said October will be Jesus' joy. After I looked at it, I said, we need to talk about salvation. After I said no, believers authority, I said, okay, no. Anyone you tell me, Lord, will do. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, this year has been a journey. Do you agree? What did we learn in January? The compass, mastering divine direction. What of February? Yes, love, living and cleaving. And we, we talked about walking in love. Don't worry, we'll do living and cleaving session two, season two. Ladies, you remember that one first. Then March was what? Don't forget, it's about money. Don't forget. <laughs> March was what? My God and my gold. April was what? You shouldn't forget April. April. Understanding grace. Ha! That teaching series, it did something to us. Then May was what? Spiritual health. Kai. That means some of you need to go back and listen. In December, immediately after camp meeting, I will not preach again. We'll be doing we'll be, some services will come and we'll just play sermons. Because New Breed is not is not the okay, is a, a unique church. I wanted to say something about that it would have come out the wrong way. I wanted to say it's a different kind of church, but I don't know how that would sound. Then July was June was what? Teach us to pray. And July was what? The secret of change. But August, the Lord has said, we'll talk about radical devotion. In short, you can call it consecration. So what do we really mean by radical devotion? 
What do we really mean by radical devotion? Radical devotion refers to the exceptional commitment believers in Christ have towards God after they receive, believe, and embrace the message of Jesus Christ. I'm sure many of you who come to church would have noticed something. Our teachings are systematic. Have you noticed? As much as possible, there has to be, what is this? You know, I and some minister friends, including my father and Lord, we're having a discussion recently, and the summary of the discussion is, we need to improve in the way we present the gospel to the saints. Because there is a growing movement in the body of Christ today that they pride themselves in confusing the saints. <laughs> For instance, what did I say radical devotion is? It is the exceptional commitment believers in Christ have towards God after they receive, believe, and embrace the message of Jesus Christ, right? But somebody will put it like this. Radical devotion is when a man has experienced an avalanche of strange committal into the portals of heaven. You are like, what are you saying? So by the time he's done with the mystery, people are confused. I know, Mr. Charles, you have not encountered those people. You have not encountered them. You don't want to encounter. <laughs> when a man is sold out to the cause of the monarch of Zion, ah, Guy, just <laughs> just present it in a way that we can understand what you are saying. The simpler, the better. Are you with me? So mark that word, exceptional commitment. Are you with me? Exceptional commitment believers in Christ have towards God after they believe, receive, and embrace the message of Jesus Christ. In short, we can call it consecration. Are you with me? Now, this is a very huge concept or a very serious concept in Christianity such that when you go through the pages of the scripture and the records of history, a person who doesn't have this exceptional commitment to Christ after he claims to re have received the message of Jesus Christ should be doubted if he truly believed. Are you with me? Let me go over that again. When we go through the pages pages of the Bible and history of the church, it seems to us as though if a person claims to have believed and received the message of Jesus Christ, but you cannot see an exceptional commitment to God and the cross of Christ, that person should be doubted. Are you with me? Matthew 13. You know, consecration as a subject is one of the basic if you know me very well, I love those topics with my life. <laughs> For instance, what's the vision of Newbury Christian Community? To raise a generation with a passion for the glory of Christ. Represent the whole counsel of God. We are sold out. Are you with me? A passion for the glory of Christ. Matthew 13 from verse 44. But before we read that, I want us to read that, that definition. Everybody, one, two, three, go. What's radical devotion? Radical devotion refers to the exceptional commitment believers in, in Christ have towards God after they receive, believe, and embrace the message of Jesus Christ. Let's go over it again. Radical devotion refers to the exceptional commitment believers in Christ have towards God 
after they receive, believe, and embrace the message of Jesus Christ. Glory! Glory. Some people are chewing their mouths. I'm saying like this, right? We stay in your sleep here. It is the exceptional commitment believers in Christ have. Matthew 13 from verse 44. Now, here Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of heaven. Ah, camp meeting December. The kingdom, the power, and the glory. Hey. Kato kaporata. Hey. Thine is the power. Matthew 13, verse 44. He says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in a field, the which when a man had found, he hideth, it, and for joy, Jeroth goeth and selleth all that he had, and buyeth that field. So he was teaching about the kingdom. And when you study the book of Matthew, you can call the book of Matthew the book of the kingdom. When you study the book of Matthew, Jesus will teach the kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like that. The kingdom of heaven is like this. And he got to this point and he said, again, the kingdom of heaven is like under the treasure. Hid in a field the which when a man had found, he hid it. And for joy thereof, goeth and selleth all that he had and buy that field. Verse 45. Everybody read verse 5 together. One, two, three, go. <laughs> hey. Do you realize the first and second analogy are almost similar? But let's start with the first one. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hid in a field. So that means the kingdom is a treasure. <laughs> are you with me? This thing is not just something we are doing because it has no value. Have you ever people say things like this? Instead of them to be walking, they'll be praying. They'll be going to church. They'll carry church on their head. This thing is not worthless. It's a treasure. Tell your neighbor, we have found the treasure. We have found the treasure. You know, good ultimate search those days. They tried to depict the days of the medieval era where maybe the Count of Monte Cristo will, will stumble somewhere and he will be given a map and he will... People are wondering what his pastor saying. <laughs> when you read history and all those times where you see one rich man, he will store his... They had the money was in gold and treasure boxes and all those kind of things. They will store it somewhere in a cave far away. And keep it for someone who they love so much. Maybe when the person is about to die, you now say, okay, take. If you follow the map, get to this place, you will find the treasure. So there was a story. Can I, can I do this? It's one of the stories of the medieval era. A man who was cheated and all of that, and he was locked in prison. And while in prison, he was taking care of a certain old man. And when the old man was about to die, he said, see, I'm going to die. But you've taken care of me. I'm going to give you something. And he gave him a map. He said, when you get free, make sure you find the map. You f- use the map and find this treasure. And he went and used the map, eventually got free. He used the map and he got a certain place. And he got all, his, all the treasure there and became a very rich man. And those days, rich men are called counts. Have you heard of something like county homes? So he gave himself a new name, the Count of Monte Cristo. Sorry, your pastor has read so many things. But it helps me in the Bible. Are you with me? Sometimes, to understand the Bible, you have to go back and read 
things that have to do with those era. Do you know what he's talking about here? Okay, it's like I'm too far. Who had read the book Acres of Diamond? You've read the book Acres of Diamond? Okay, you've watched the movie. So this man had a piece of land. And after a while, he sold the land because he was tired of life and all of that. And he wanted to move on. After selling the land, this other guy took the land and began to dig. And dig and dig. Actually, because he wanted to farm. And he stumbled on something hard and brought it out. It was like pieces of diamond. He's like, no, this, this can't be real. So he went to call the miners and all of that. And lo and behold, there was a large mass of diamond in that man's land. That man that was depressed about his life and sold everything for a cheap price. When the other guy heard, when the guy that sold his land heard, he almost fainted. So the story of the book was trying to say that don't give up on your life. That thing you are giving up on, there may be a, an acre of diamond inside. Are you with me? That's the idea he's talking about here. He says, the kingdom of heaven hey, is like unto treasure hid in a field. The which when a man had found, he hideth and for joy, Jeroff, goeth and selleth all that he had and buyeth that field. Are you seeing what is happening here? So, just the same way, that guy in the acres of diamond, he, they may have told him, this land is worthless. But one day, say, let me just inspect the land. He saw something. Say, I will not shout too much. He t- tell the man, how much do you want to sell the land? Say, I want to sell it for 100,000. 100,000. Say, how much do you have? Say, ah, sir, I have 150. Say, don't worry, I will give you everything. So, the guy that is, that is selling for 150 is... For, that is selling for 100, he's wondering why this other man is giving him 150. Say, take everything, just take, take everything. And he's wondering, this guy overpaid me. Why is he so excited about this payment? Why is he giving me more than I, I gave him? Why is he giving much more? He does not know that there is treasure inside. Are you with me? He's saying that if a person has come into the kingdom, this will be his approach. Can I tell you something? This is one of the messages that is missing in today's church. We beg people to be saved. Which, see, we are trying to make it. Many times, we are preaching the gospel and we are making it look like they are doing us a favor. Say, please now, come to church now. Come now. Come. So the person say, I get, eh, I'm busy. I'll try and come to your church. Eh? I will not flex with my guys this Sunday. <laughs> I will come. And he say, thank you. Then we tell him, child, thank you for coming. So he feels like, ah, at least I've come to fill up some of the empty seats in the church so that the pastor will not feel bad. No! He has not come into the kingdom. He came to church, but he has not come into the kingdom. Are you following me? Because when he comes into the kingdom, look at what he's saying. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure, hid in a field, which when a man has found, he hides it. That word, I can preach on that word, he hides it. It's a personal thing first. Hmm. It's not about the congregation. It's about him first. He will say, this thing. Huh. So it's me. Me. This thing. He hides it. And for joy, <laughs> and for joy, thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath. So you will see the guy, he will come out, give his life to Christ. The song will touch him. After a while, he will sit and think about his life. It was this type of revelation that made people write songs like Amazing Grace, how sweet that sound that saved a wretch like me. Because they saw how powerful the grace of God was, it saved them. Just as I am with her. It came and changed me. Then tomorrow you see him in church again. You're wondering why he's serious. Nobody's disturbing him, but I'm coming to church. There's no service. He's coming to church to pray. Because he knows he has found something. Are you with me? Everybody's asking him, Guy, 
Why are you so serious about this thing? He said, don't worry, I found something. I've come home. Are you with me? I found peace. The question I want to ask you first of all, have you seen the kingdom as a treasure? Have you seen Christ as a treasure? Hallelujah. Father, we pray as we talk about this this month. Holy Spirit, our eyes are open to see in the name of Jesus. Now look at the one, the, the, the next one, verse 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking godly pearls. Goodly pearls. He's seeking. See, ah, I feel like asking you, what do you seek? Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls. He's looking for precious stones. Those things that are goodly pearls. Then he found one. Verse 46. Who when he had found one pearl of great price went and sold all that he had and bought it. <laughs> that means this one I found, it is, it's worth everything that I am. Let me tell you something. Holy Spirit, there is understanding in the name of Jesus. Many of the issues we are having with Christianity today and many things we are talking about in the church, the problem is that the people that claim to have come in, they don't know what they have collected. Are you following me? There are some things I hear. It is completely absurd under heaven. When you hear a pastor, they do some things. I'm like, are you a Christian? First of all, are you a Christian? When you hear that a pastor went and took power from somewhere, from one juju priest, see, what is the kingdom? It's like unto treasure. No matter what the God, the devil wants to offer me, Listen, what God cannot give me, may I not have? Are you with me? The influence and fame that God will not give me, may I not have? Are you following me? Christ is enough. This thing is a pearl of great price. Now, whether I was a pastor or not, but I found him. Ah, are you with me? Actually, that he found me. The reason why you will go and collect power from a native doctor is because fame is more important than Christ. Are you following me? You have not seen Christ as a treasure. That is what it... Read history. That's why I said, if you study the Bible and the stories of history, one particular story that touched me so much, the Moravian brothers. Did I get it where, Pastor Wisdom? The Moravian brothers. Two of them. They were free men. And there were some slaves. They were... They were Oh, they were being sent to a particular island to go to that island to walk and die. But those brothers looked at themselves, two brothers, and said, that means those guys will go and never hear the gospel. They said, do you know what we will do? We are not slaves. We will sell ourselves to the slave masters so that we can go there and preach. <laughs> he said, we will sell ourselves. We will go there. We will go and give ourselves to slave masters. They will give us money. We will give it to our family. We will sell ourselves. To the slave master so that we'll go and preach and the family was asking them why on the ship as the family stood by the shore still telling them you can still come back do you know what they said they said may the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering <laughs> may the lamb that was slain receive the reward see they were not going there to build a great ministry they were just going there to win souls and die there because may the lamb that was slain the lamb that was slain, may, let him receive the reward of his suffering. The souls of men are the reward of his suffering. The only reason they will do that is because they've understood what that lamb did. Are you with me? They understand that this lamb of God, he's like a treasure that is worth everything. He's like one pair that when you find, it is of great price. That even means me selling all my money, it still doesn't match up. 
Are you with me? It's called radical devotion. This concept is supposed to follow. Listen, if you truly understood the message of Christ, if you embraced it, it's supposed to follow. Many of the things we say people should do in church that seem burdensome is because they don't understand. Are you with me? When you understand what he has done, who he is, what he's worth, praise the Lord. In HRU, in human resource management, there is something called benchmarking. Benchmarking is when you look at somebody's qualification and try to put, give the person a salary or a remuneration, if I got it well, <laughs> that matches the person. Are you with me? So sometimes you see a company in most developed countries, they will say, this person is overqualified. Have you heard them like that before? Meaning, the skills and the experience and the exposure and the value and the worth of this person is beyond what we can pay. But if he's outside, uh, I'm, if he can go take 20k, collect him. <laughs> Even though you know he's worth, that person is worth 500k per month, you say, ah, price intensive. <laughs> price intensive. Nah. Benchmarking is saying that, okay, we should look at you and give you what is due you. In your life, have that too. There are some people in your life that they are what one billionaire are you with me there are some people who their skills you cannot pay for it so in the little way you can pay or in the little way you can make up try and make up are you with me same thing too when you know the value of god when you know the value of christ just about the value of just talk about the value of god and christ before you talk about his death there are some things that you command it's called consecration it's called radical devotion i'll end on this note Years ago, when trusting God for supernatural help to go into the university to school, a certain man wanted to help me, and he did in his, to, to a large extent. He helped me. But there was a particular day where he called me so that he could talk about how the plans for my school and all of that. Not the chairman at my wedding. No. That was the one that eventually trained me. Are you with me? But this was somebody before that one. And I had to go for a particular spiritual meeting, and I could not make it on time to see this particular man. So, when I got to see him, do you know what he said to me? He said, who needs, my, who needs the help? I said, it's me, sir. I said, I'm sorry, sir, for coming late. He said, if you know what I want to do for you, you would have counseled everything that you were doing and come to see me. And he was right, because that particular meeting was something that I could have left. Well, let's just say I loved God. <laughs> Are you with me? But I get his point. Are you with me? Now, if a natural man, a natural man, he knows that, what I want to do will change this guy's life. That means this person should take it serious. How much more God? There are certain things Christians do today. It's just obvious that you don't know who God is. Are you with me? There are certain issues we are shouting at. Okay, simple one. You see people in church. A phone will ring. You see somebody inside church. He won't even say, I did church, I did church. Is that the person? Give him the 500 naira now. Tell them, tell them, they come. I, don't worry, we go do two other things. He will prolong the talk. You see somebody else who take it for and say, please, I'm in church, I'm in church, I'm in church. He knows that he's doing something wrong. And that person, sometimes they will go out, stay in front of the church, guy. They will be talking, oh, and why you think you want to tell a crowd control? Oh, the reason why all those things happen is he does not know who God is. If it's with the governor, he won't even do that. In fact, as he's going, as he's entering the meeting, see, as the phone wants to ring, he says, my devil, your village people, you put up the phone. It's not now you want to come and stop this breakthrough. The question is, who is God to you? Father, we give you praise. It's after me unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ.